Jesus is inviting us to a new way of living. You know, all the gospels and the way that, that Jesus walked the earth, he was inviting people to freedom and to wholeness. So he wasn't inviting them to become less and less. This is a show about self-discovery. About understanding ourselves. About looking into the mirror to see the good. The bad. And the unknown of who we are. This is about how we relate to God. And everyone else. From Love Thy Neighborhood in Louisville, Kentucky. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Enneacast. Welcome to the Enneacast Season 2. I am Jesse Eubanks. And I'm Sam Stevenson. Every episode, we walk you through the Enneagram to help you better understand how you relate to God and everyone else. And this is the first episode of Season 2. Yeah, so excited to be back to explore new elements of the Enneagram. So let's talk a little bit about what happened in Season 1. So Season 1 was basically Enneagram 101. It was all about self-awareness. It was about gaining self-perspective, of trying to see ourselves the way that many others experience us, of understanding some of our internal world, both the good and the bad. That's right. We explored both the resourceful and non non-resourceful parts of each of our types. We spent a large portion celebrating all of the positive attributes and gifts that each person possesses, but we also explored how we abuse those gifts and how we underuse or disown the vital parts of who we are. But let's talk about where we are now. You know, one of the things that you and I have talked about is that we teach these Enneagram workshops and people come up to us and at the end of every single workshop, people are asking us, what do I need to do now? You know, simply having the knowledge and self-awareness, like that is not the point. I mean, we still have a problem. Right. So just knowing about the problem doesn't necessarily guarantee that you'll be saved from it. So we talk a lot about how our souls are uh, like icebergs and whatever is at the top is really just an indicator of what's happening underneath. But if you're at sea and you see an iceberg, just because you see it coming up ahead doesn't mean that you are automatically saved. You still have to correct course to change uh, your patterns. Otherwise, you'll you'll sink. Yeah. So you have to acknowledge like what's in front of you, but you also need to deal with it. Right. Like it's not enough just to go, I observe an iceberg. You also (laughs) need to go, I now need to deal with the iceberg. I have to change course or the iceberg will overtake me. Right. Yeah. So you and I have talked a little bit about the Sam. Like one of the things that we've noticed even since season one is like the Enneagram has gone like buck wild crazy (laughs) on the Internet. Like it's just like everywhere which is exciting you know i'm i'm glad that when we you know talk about the enneagram that people are like oh i love it you know like i'm the this i'm a this you know like that's fun to now like not feel so crazy when we bring this thing into conversations but i do kind of have some hesitations with how popular it's become as of late how so talk to me about that well i just feel like you're it's i think even the iceberg analogy is appropriate even here like because i feel like people are just getting like a broad strokes like a surface level knowledge but what is helpful about the enneagram is really the depth that it brings to relationships and i feel like people just pass it around like they do they're tagging their friends in funny memes which is great if you know enough about it but if that's your first kind of introduction to it then it can just kind of get messy and it it almost becomes more damaging because you're you're not seeing it for what it really is which is like enneagram like 
like punchline culture is like you know at like peak yeah. right now, and and it's not again. It's like not like there's anything wrong with that, but like mm-hmm. the Enneagram is like it's a really wonderful tool designed to help us not only have self awareness but also to move toward transformation. Right. But I think a lot of times, like, and I don't know if it's like a Western, you know, American thing, but like we seem fairly content to stop at self awareness. You know, basically to be like, this is who I am. This describes who I am. And we fixate purely on just the celebration portion of it and not moving onward, you know, into the transformative portion. You know, I mean, the reality is that unless self-clarity is understood for communion with God and other people, like it is just narcissism. It's just like self-worship and self-focus. And one of the other things, too, that kind of concerns me with the way that I see the Enneagram sort of moving around at a pop culture level is that I think adopting language without doing the work is really dangerous mm. because I think, it, I think it's a different level of self-deception. So I'm using all these words like I'm doing, you know, like I understand and I have all this wisdom. Yeah. But like we're not doing the actual work of change. Yeah. And so talk to me a little bit about our theme for the season and why we're doing this theme. Yeah, I am really excited about this theme. We're, we're focusing on the idea of how can I change? Okay, I know my type, now what? Um, and I think there are two parts that really kind of come out of that. There's, we want you to, to take time to celebrate the gifts that you have and the, and the way that the Lord has made you. But we also want to recognize the pitfalls that could potentially come up if you were to continue in these non-resourceful ways. So the point of season two is to really kind of say, okay, how can I be transformed more into the likeness of Christ? How can and I change uh, the non-resourceful parts about me, but also we want to really take time to celebrate and emphasize like you have been created in the image of God. There's a giftedness that he's given you. How can you live more into that more fully? So this season is going to be a lot uh, more in-depth than even season one. And so if you have not listened to season one yet, we want to tell you like this is like Enneagram 201. So right. you need to go back and listen We're to season one. Now, guys. Yeah. <laughs> like like you will be confused and lost. Uh, don't jump in the deep end yet. Like go go check out the stuff in season one. Um, so before we can talk about um, being transformed and, and growing, um, we want to remind people that Again, like just because that there are these non-resourceful parts in us, that there's also um, the resourceful traits and that this is part of God's common grace toward us. It's a part of what it means to be made in the image of God, that we all possess a set of gifts and tools that are good and beautiful. Um, I really want to emphasize here, like don't downplay your gifts um, because that's exciting. You know, you were created um, with that specific thing uh, and that gift in mind. So don't downplay those, own them, enjoy them, put them to good use. But second, we don't want to be naive and act as if the dark parts of uh, who we are and the way that we relate to each other aren't destructive and don't have ways to improve. And taking ownership of our non-resourceful or sinful traits requires us to then do something about them. So, Jesse, like, what do we do? Well, before we can change, we have to do the work of watching ourselves in action. I mean, this is the spiritual discipline of self-examination. We have to be able to step outside of ourselves and get some data on ourselves. How do I operate? What patterns exist in my thinking and relating? You can't change what you don't realize is broken in the first place. And this first step of really taking inventory of ourselves and giving names and language to our darker, uglier parts, it is a hard step to take. You know, whenever you're even mentioning that, like, I already feel guilty. You know, like, I already feel kind of like, oh, no, like, I have to own up to this stuff, like... Well, I don't feel very guilty, but I do feel ashamed. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. And I bet all of our head tribe people are already afraid, you know, <laughs> or maybe it's not that, you know, reductionistic. But I do think there is some truth here of um, we are scared and we try to resist change. We try to resist diving deep because we're just terrified that 
whatever happens, whatever kind of comes out or is revealed will will ruin us or ruin our reputations or ruin what we've kind of been believing about ourselves and other people up to this point. Yeah, to start this journey does mean that it's going to it's going to trigger our deepest emotional fear. Great. You know, or, yeah, there's no way around it. But I, I I think that that says something about our functional faith. You know, mm-hmm. the reality of that, as much as we love to talk about acceptance and grace and community and friendship and vulnerability, at the end of the day, to really look at ourselves with no filters, no edits, no bias, it is it is a crippling thought because mm-hmm. we, at the end of the day, really don't believe that God can hold all of that. We believe that, like, we'll go into, like, existential despair yeah. if we have to look at ourselves for who we really are. Yeah, or that God won't, uh, he'll be surprised by it or he will uh, be ashamed of us and disown us or that he would... Yeah, does not have the capacity to forgive. You know, I think there's a lot of things that it kind of can be undoing for people to really dive into the depths and say, like, if I were to go that far, would God be there? Would he meet me there? And Well, God and the people around us, you yeah. know, like, will, will our friends and our loved ones. It's hard for us to believe that our friends and our loved ones actually love us for who we are. So we believe that they love the edited version of ourselves. Well, yeah, because that's what we mustered up for them. Like, look what I did. Like, don't you yeah. like this version of me that I'm giving away? Yeah. yeah. So I think that one of the things we have to ask ourselves is like, where's the gospel in all of this talk? You know, we're talking about the Enneagram as a tool. We're talking about all this Mm self-examination. We're using all of these like Enneagram words. But like, where's the gospel in the midst of this? Um, Because I don't think that for our purposes, we don't just want this to be exclusively about self-improvement. Yeah, this is uh, that's a good way to put it. This isn't about self-improvement or self-actualization and becoming my best self now. I think that that falls short of, of reality. I think that there's uh, you miss grace whenever you, you just kind of charge ahead on this, this path of enlightenment or whatever people are kind of striving for. And I think in, in like the most fundamental way, the, the gospel, the good news of Jesus, that, um, that we are more sinful than we can acknowledge, uh, but that we're more loved than we ever dare dream, like that is literally the way that we are going to change as people. All the Enneagram does is give us some very specific ways uh, to apply the gospel and to see the gospel at work in our lives. It reminds me of Psalm 139, where David is saying, where shall I go from your spirit? Or uh, where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol or the grave, you're there. You know, if I were to take on the wings of the morning or uh, dwell on the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me. Yeah. I mean, that's the same thing as like Romans 8 talking about, you know, that there's nothing in all of creation that's able to separate us from the love of God. Right. So... I think that the best place for us to start this season is for us to focus on how we're going to do this Mm self-examination. And the only way that we're going to be able to do this self-examination is to keep the gospel ever present in front of us. It's the only way we're going to have, you know, the courage, the grace, you know, the forgiveness, the presence of God that we need to be able to to do that. Um, But we still like need like a process, like how do we actually look at ourselves and examine ourselves? Yeah. So when we come back, we're going to be talking about some very practical steps that we can take with Enneagram professional and author Marilyn Vansel. We'll be right back. Here at LTN, we're all about helping people build better relationships. And we've actually created a brand new way to do that with our Say More conversation cards. Say More is a deck of 100 questions to kickstart engaging discussions. So there's silly things like, which famous cartoon character are you most like? And there's also serious things like, 
what has been your hardest goodbye in life. You can use our Say More cards with your family, your friends, on a date, at the office. My family and I have been using them at the dinner table, and I've learned things about my kids that I truly never knew before. To grab your own deck of Say More cards, go to lovethyneighborhood.org and click the store link at the top of the menu. And while you're there, grab a couple more decks. They make great gifts for Christmas or birthdays, and all proceeds go directly to support Love Thy Neighborhood. So go to lovethyneighborhood.org and click store and get ready to say more because better relationships are just a question away. Hey, welcome back to the Enneacast. I'm Jesse Eubanks. And I'm Sam Stevenson. Our guest today is Marilyn Vansel. Marilyn is a spiritual director, coach, and facilitator of workshops and retreats. Marilyn has been a practitioner of the Enneagram within Christian spiritual formation for over 30 years. She's a certified Enneagram professional in the narrative tradition through Enneagram Worldwide. And she's also the author of Self to Lose, Self to Find, a biblical approach to the nine Enneagram types. And she's joining us now from Seattle, Washington. Hey, Marilyn. Hello, Jesse. Hello, Sam. Hi. Well, we are so excited to have you on. Uh, we're big fans of your book, and we love the way that you merge uh, the Enneagram with Orthodox, wonderful, beautiful Christian theology. We're always excited to talk to other folks that are thinking and doing work uh, along those those lines. Thank you. Well, I, I just want to start here. You know, Marilyn, we, we live in a time where many people say that we should just accept ourselves. Um, so phrases like, be who you are, or this is just who I am, or your own truth, like all of those things are like very popular in our culture. And while there's some truth to that, like, I think that we almost take it in a sense to mean that, you know, you better get on board with who I am. And that unless it's really hurting somebody else, I'm not the one that needs to change. You're the one that needs to change. So my question is like, is there a problem with this line of thinking? Should we just accept ourselves for who we are or should we try to change? Well, that's a great question. And my answer to that is yes and no. <laughs> um, we should accept ourselves to be who we are. Yes. How we're designed, how we're created by God. And we can't try to be someone else. So, yes, we should accept ourselves for who we are, ultimately. Um, but should we change? Yes. You know, Jesus changed people. He walked this earth and he made people better. People became more and more of who they were created to be in their wholeness and in their, their truest selves. And I love the scripture in Corinthians that we are being transformed from glory to glory. So we are designed to change. And if we just get stuck in our old ways of being and our sort of automatic pilot uh, way of just living in the world and thinking we just don't have to change, then I think there's a lot of danger in that. I think that's really good. And I think um, some of the things that you kind of walk us through in your book um, is the is the passage out of Luke that says, you know, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. And there is a part of us that we have to deny, but it's not always the the giftedness of God, the good, the goodness from God that, that he gave us. So can you talk a little bit more about what what you think Jesus meant by the deny ourselves thing and how can we live into the newness that, that Christ has made available to us? Yeah, it's such a great question. And there's so much 
um, long-standing teaching around this scripture that if anyone wishes to come after me, he or she must deny themselves. And if, if you read the whole um, part of that, those scriptures, is that Jesus is inviting us to a new way of living. He's inviting us to freedom in the whole of the, you know, all the gospels and the way that, that Jesus walked the earth. He was inviting people to freedom and to wholeness. So he wasn't inviting them to become less and less. And that's where I think we have, um, I always say, I wish that teaching would just kind of disappear, that it's all about, I must totally decrease and Jesus must increase. And there's truth to that. Where Jesus is saying, you know, and this is the um, the inspiration for my title, the title of my book, Self to Lose, Self to Find. He says, if you save your life, you'll lose it. If you lose yourself, yourself or your life for my sake, you'll find it. So Jesus is saying there's something for you to find. There's something for you to grow into. It's not all about just losing, 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 and depriving, depriving, depriving. And when I was studying from my book, I realized that the Greek word for deny isn't deprive, it's disown. And this is where the Enneagram comes in and is so helpful, is to discern between the self we're supposed to lose or let go of or renounce a relationship with, in other words, is to say, that's not the true me. That's not the real me. All these habitual patterns, these in, these false beliefs, these lies I've taken on about myself and the ways I think I need to be and to act and to do in the world, to get along in the world, that's not the true me. But there's a self to find. And once we let go of those habitual patterns that trip us up, then we can step into this fullness of life that Jesus came to show us. Yeah. Okay. So, so Jesus is calling us to renounce a relationship with the part of ourselves that's not what God intended it to be. But like one of the problems that, that we see with change is that people will often say that they want to change, but it seems like they actually just want the benefits of change without the cost of change. You know, why do you think that we are so afraid to pay the cost of changing? Because it's hard work (laughs) and we are so attached and really in our human development, um, we learn patterns and ways of being in the world that really are strategy for survival. As young children, we do the best we can and we take on these interpretations of our experiences and and perceptions of who we need to be and how we can get along in the world to have our needs met. And that's an important part of our development. But then we become attached to those things and we don't know who we're going to be without them. And we don't, it's hard to let go. And our ego is, is a tough character. It wants to, it, there's so much resistance to no, 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 don't let go of me. Um, I'm here for a reason. And so it's hard work. When I think about change, I think that there is a sense that the transformation process does include death and the death of our false self is kind of what we're talking about here. So um, like we just want to give people kind of a roadmap for how do I make change? How do I now live into all of this truth that I've discovered about myself through the Enneagram and through, you know, walking with the Lord? So what could someone expect as they try to change their way of relating? 
Well, they can expect some resistance for sure and expect some maybe even um, some lonely dark times in terms of releasing some of those patterns because, like I said earlier, we don't know who we are without them. So there's kind of this empty void out there. So it feels kind of scary. But press through, and that's the important thing, is to press through and know that on the other side is great freedom. It reminds me of going through rapids into a fjord, and you go through a passageway that feels rough, but the boat's kind of rocky, and you've got to stay the course. But then once you reach, get through that, then it this fjord opens up, or this long, beautiful waterway that you could never have seen without going through those what feels like rough places. And it's worth it. Yeah. Okay. So in order to change as people, like we, we need to be able to do some, like some self-observation and we need to be able to like watch ourselves in action, like to be able to step outside of ourselves, to, to view ourselves more objectively, to kind of like gather data about ourselves. And you actually offer a process for this and you call it the own up process. And I think it's the perfect next step for people who know their Enneagram type, and now they're wondering, like, where do I head next on this journey? So what is the Own Up process, and what is the goal of this process? Well, Own Up is a way of owning up to your stuff, and it's also owning up to who you really are. I like to think of it, as, you know, in the context of the scripture, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You need to tell the truth about yourself to know the truth about yourself, but you also need to know the truth and hear the truth of how you are in God's eyes and how you were created to be. And so the own up is O for observe, W is welcome, N is name, U is untangle, and P is possess. And the goal of this process is to really be more grounded and whole in um, stepping into your God created design of who he wants you to be, who he made you to be, and to live more fully, love more deeply, and live in the freedom that Jesus promised us. Well, can can you take our listeners through this process one step at a time? So you bet. So let's let's start with O, uh, which you say stands for observe. Yes, observe. So this is similar to like a scientific experiment, where if you remember the first step in doing a science experiment is simply to observe and collect data. Now, just the act of doing that is a huge step. And we are just on automatic pilot all the time. We don't even bother to stop and wonder and pay attention to what's going on for us. So what's my body doing? Is my stomach tight? Am I restless in my sleep? What am I thinking? What am I feeling? So it's just gathering some data about what your experience actually is is and what's going on for you without judgment, without trying to analyze it, without trying to make sense of it at this point in it is just to simply observe. Okay, so the so the W is welcome. Tell us about that. Yeah, so this is a huge step and often a paradigm shift for people is that to welcome those things. Say if you notice you're angry welcome that anger as uh, something, there's something below the surface of that anger. And until you welcome it, you, you don't have the capacity to even know what it's about. 
So welcoming rather than just passing it off to God or passing it or moving forward or judging it or blaming someone else or all the different ways that we want to move away from those uncomfortable feelings and thoughts we've just observed is to welcome them and welcome God's presence right into the middle of that experience. Because God's, Jesus said, I will be with you always. So he's with us, even in those places that we don't want to see. Mm, I think that's really good. Um, So after the welcome phase, the next one is in for name. So can you walk us through kind of what that transition is? So this is naming with a little more clarity and what those observations are leading you to. Name your fear, name the focus of attention, name uh, what you're avoiding in this situation. What are you wanting? What core needs are you trying to meet in this situation? And But just knowing your Enneagram type right here is so crucial because then you can kind of mine below the surface of this triggering situation and what you've observed, but go deeper. And to name things is to know things. And we can't let go of what we don't name and know. You know, Paul says, put off the old self, put on the new self. But you, if you don't know what your old self is doing or, or can't name it and don't know what it's like, then it's hard to let go of it. So this is a way of getting more specific about what's going on. Yeah, I like that. To name things is to know things. I think that's really, really helpful. Mm -hmm. Okay, so then we move on to you, which is untangle. Yes, untangle, because we're complex. Our story isn't this linear, packaged, one thing means this and the other thing means this. We're complex human beings with memories and experiences and false beliefs and all kinds of things. I use the illustration of a a pile of jewelry chains that are all tangled up in a big mess. It's important to kind of look at where is, what's the main thing that's really got me hung up here? You know, with jewelry, if you can find that one loop of the chain that's got everything else tied up and loosen that, then the rest of them start to loosen up too. Like for me as a nine, I can get really caught up in the expectations of others. And so when I recognize maybe that's the one thing that's got me tied up in knots and I can let that go, like I just let go of the expectations of others, then uh, it's like this whole new spacious place opens up for me. I'm already feeling more peaceful. Even you just like giving that as an yeah, example. Yeah, like Sam's a nine. And so like the moment you just like, and then I just try to let go of the expectations. I look over and Sam is just like, ah. Nodding. <laughs> yeah. So that kind of leads us to the last letter in your um, acronym, which is P, which stands for possess. So what does it mean to really possess what we've discovered? So as we've said, and as you've noted too, is that when you let go of something, ah, Something new emerges. There's space for something new to emerge. There's a new um, message. There's a new idea. There's a new sensation in your body. And to recognize that and to hold this as a gracious gift from God and the invitation of God to live into that newer place of freedom, that new just liberation from that chokehold, And to possess it as your own, as a gift from God for this this particular moment and for your life. 
Yeah, which is like totally, which is totally like what we all want. Like we all want to live more freely, more fully with God to like, to let Christ handle our sin instead of like our own like maladapted ways of trying to handle our own sin. Yeah. And just for your FYI, um, people can download the own up worksheets off, right off my website. If you go to MarilynVansel.com, I have a worksheet just under my resources well, this has been super helpful. I think the own up process is wonderful mm-hmm. and amazing. And I'm hoping that our, our listeners put it into practice. Well, when we come back, we'll be playing Are You Thinking What I'm Thinking? and answering listener questions with Marilyn Vansel. So stay with us. So we really like to explore the topics of Christian community and social action. And in many ways, the Enneacast is our podcast dedicated to exploring community. But it's not our only podcast. It's actually not our first podcast. Our original podcast, it's all about social action. And it's called the Love Thy Neighborhood Podcast. And in every episode, we explore where social action and Christian community intersect. Recently, we've done episodes such as where the gospel meets social justice. Frankly, as I travel around the world and engage with Christians in different cultures, they don't understand this debate. Singleness. I remember thinking this myself. I was like, well, something's wrong with them. Wealth. Me, me and the Lord probably talk about this more than he wants to talk about it. Sexual abuse. His reputation was so good with everyone. He didn't have to tell me not to tell. And special needs. It was really hard not knowing how things would turn out. Head over to lovethyneighborhood.org slash LTN podcast or subscribe wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Just search for Love Thy Neighborhood. Welcome to our corner of the urban universe. Welcome back to the Enneacast. I'm Jesse Eubanks. And I'm Sam Stevenson. And now it's time to play Are You Thinking What I'm Thinking? Marilyn, here's how you play. You're going to play every round, and then Sam and I are going to take turns playing with you. Um, Each round, Sam or I will draw a card, and on that card will be an Enneagram number type. For example, type 9, as Sam likes to call it, the best number on the Enneagram. (laughs) Yeah, it's correct. Um, You then get a few seconds to come up with one word related to that type number, and we will do the same. Uh, Don't say it out loud yet. Don't give any hints as to what it is. But then on the count of three, you and I or you and Sam, whoever's playing that round, will say whatever word we thought of. And if we both end up saying the same word, either Sam gets a point or I get a point. And that's what we want. So we want to try and both think of the same word to say. And if our words don't match, no points and we move on to a different number. Uh, The only words that we're not allowed to use are type titles uh, from season one. For example, if it's a four, we can't say originalist. For eights, we can't say powerful. So Marilyn will tell you each round what word you cannot use. So are you ready? Oh, I guess so. (laughs) Yeah, you have to read our minds, Marilyn. Yeah, yeah, so you're going to try, we're going to try to read your mind. You're going to try to read ours. Okay, Okay. putting me on the spot. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Nines love this stuff. Yep. Uh, Okay, so Sam, Mm -hmm. ladies first. Why don't you you. go first? So, draw anything you want. Uh, So, it is type type five. five. 
Type five. So the only word that you cannot use is investigator. So you can use any word, but don't use investigator. Okay. Okay. So, uh, so ladies have a mind mm. connection with each other. Okay. Okay. Do you both have your word? I have a word. <laughs> Marilyn, that... do you have a yes, word? Yes, okay. I do too. Okay. I do too. Okay. You're going to say it at the same time. Three, two, one, go. Wise. Thoughtful. Oh, dang. Is that close? Do we get... <laughs> Wise and thoughtful. Do we get a point? You get no point. Okay. You get no point. Uh, but nice try. Nice try. Thank okay. You. I'm going to draw mine. Okay, Jesse, you have type seven. Okay. And Jesse, what can I not use? You cannot use enthusiast. You guys are forming your mind connection, Jesse. Think about it. What would a nine okay. say that okay. a seven is? I... I've got my word. Okay, I've got it. I've got mine. Okay. One, two, three. Adventure. Adventure. Yeah! <laughs> Woo! That, that was a good word. Marilyn and I have a mind meld. Great job. So this is, uh, you have one point, Jesse. I have no points. So my turn again. Okay. One. Okay. Type one. Type one. So what can we not say? You cannot say reformer. You okay. cannot say reformer. Okay. I think I have my word. You think you got yours? Mm, yeah. Okay. Formal. I, have, I have mine. All right. Okay. You're a 9-1 wing also, right, Marilyn? I am. Okay. Oh, my gosh. You guys are so hopefully, twinsies. Hopefully Enneagram twinsies. All right. I'm here we go. I'm closing my eyes. I'm picturing you. Three, two, one. Go. Perfectionist. Judge. Oh, whoa. <laughs> I'm so sorry to the ones. You guys got like the negative side of that one. No, that's perfect is what we're all going for. Oh, well, there's in this some world, truth to that. You know? yeah. that. That was a good word. Okay. Uh, here we go. And for our number, we yeah. have. You are, uh, you have drawn type three. Okay. So type, you cannot say the achiever. Three. Cannot say what? Achiever. Oh, I'm so torn. I've got two in my head. Nope, can't. And I don't know which one. Okay, I'm going to go with this one, and it could be terrible. All okay. right, ready? Yeah. One, two, three. Efficiency. Efficient. Yeah! Mm-hmm. That is awesome. Buzzer beater, last second. No one saw it coming. <laughs> what was that buzzer beater? Buzzer beater. You know, like in basketball. It's a, it's a sports. Oh, okay. Buzzer beater. Sports. So, Jesse, now you have two points. And um, how many do I have? Seven points? Yep, that's what I thought. Cool. Seven, no, no. seven to two. You are so Okay, fine. Behind. I have, for, those beh- for those of you at home listening, I still have no points. And last but ladies, not least. Last one. Nine. Do two now, you. Sam. You and I should be able to come up with something oh, close since we're both this, right. right? I hope so. Okay, Sam. Mm-hmm. I know how much you like pressure. <laughs> so I've decided that for this last one, it's winner takes all. Yeah, there you go. Oh, wow. So if you get this last oh, one, no. I will give you the game. No, 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 no. That's too much pressure. <laughs> okay. Okay. Are you one. ready? I have mine. Okay. Here we go. What about you, Mary? Three, two, yep. one, yep. go. Comforter. Calm. Oh. Starts with the same letter. Does it count? <laughs> Help. What did you say, Sam? Comforter. So, Sam. I won this one. Not, uh, season two is not getting off to a great hopefully, start. Hopefully, maybe some. If you are a listener and you actually guess the same words as Marilyn, write us, <laughs> tell us, and tell us, and we'll send you a little gift. That is a lot of steps. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's the ninest statement ever. Too many steps <laughs> Too to many steps. listen and then send in a message. Well, and then for <laughs> us, and I was just thinking about never mind. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and now it's time for listener questions. Mm-hmm. 
So we're going to end each episode this season by asking our guests questions from our listeners. So, uh, so Marilyn, uh, here's a few questions for you. Okay, so this first one comes from L.R.N. Stutz. Uh, and she says, please help a sister out who cannot figure out her type. I've been trying for months. Well, that's a pretty involved question because it's not that simple. And I am really biased against um, forced choice tests that you just take and that tell you what you, the, you know, the test score tells you what you think you are. It takes some reflective practice. But one of the things that is most important to pay attention to is your focus of attention and noticing yourself and say, what am I really deep down focusing my attention on most of the time? And that can be a great clue. And yeah, I mean, so Marilyn, you come from you you come from like the narrative tradition. Yes. Um, and Sam, Sam and I would say like, so we see value in taking the test, but what we see is not that the test tells you definitively, hey, this is exactly what you are, but we say that it, it gives you clues on where to fish. Yes, and so exactly. um, so if you take the test, so if you go to like, uh, if you take the WEPS test, W-E-P-S-S online, just Google that, it's a test. It's just a robot doing what you're telling it to do. Um, but... It'll give you clues on where to fish. And we find a lot of times, too, like just really paying attention to underlying motivations, you know, because if you are reading through and a bunch of them are going, ah, kind of, kind of, usually there's like one that like you're like, whoa, that hit me like a Mack truck. Like I really felt the weight of, you know, that that underlying message. Mm -hmm. That's usually a pretty good indicator that, you know, you're close to something. And often it's the one where you kind of go, ooh, ouch, ugh, ugh. This is close to home and it's one of those things you don't want to see and it's actually quite revealing. Yeah, because usually what it's doing is it's either triggering your guilt, your fear or your shame. So which one is most triggering of that mm -hmm. and which one do you really not want to be you? And there's a good chance that maybe that is you. Yeah. Okay, this one comes from Genta Grotenhuis. <laughs> that was very, very difficult to say. Um, it says, how should or can we reconcile the Enneagram's questionable history and why should we? Uh, that's a great question. Well, the questionable history is that we really don't know how the Enneagram came to be. We have some clues. If we look back over the pathway of how the Enneagram came to be what it is today, and it continues to, to change still. And it's a body of wisdom that has been collected over many, many years through starting with the wisdom of the desert fathers and mothers in the Catholic tradition. As people came to them saying, I want an intimate relationship with God, but what's in the way? And these spiritual guides were noticing that people had different obstacles and they started to name them. And it started out as the eight passions and then became the seven deadly sins. And so it, the pathway is pretty obscure on how we got to what we have today. And it's just a tool like any other um, spiritual tool. I think it's such an insightful and profound tool that it really shines a light down on our inner motivations, unlike any, a lot of other personality profiles, but it's just a, it's a collective body of wisdom over time. Yeah, I mean, like in the same way that like, you know, there's elements of uh, psychology 
you know, that are, you know, we would affirm. And there's elements of psychology from whatever, 80 years ago that we would now look at and go like, that's evil. Like, those are terrible, terrible ideas. Um, but it doesn't mean that we throw out all psychology. It means that as Christians are called to, we're called to be discerning people. So we need to we need to weigh this thing that's in front of us. And if we immediately just sort of have this gut reaction that goes, no, 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 it came from a bad source, throw it out. Um, you know, we're in the business of redemption. And so even if it comes from a questionable source, my hope is for us as Christians is that we'd be able to look at it and go, yeah, but is there is there evidence of God at work in and through this in a way that uh, that upholds the scriptures and doesn't abandon them, but it upholds the truth of God and that we don't need to just feel afraid because of uh, the original source that it came from. The Lord could be at work through a, a lot of very mysterious things. I think about the Magi in scripture. And if you think about that long enough, that is some weird stuff for Christians, you know, and yet... Uh, these stargazers are the ones that ultimately, you know, found their way to Christ. Like the Lord works through some very mysterious pathways occasionally. Oh, and that, and, and to clarify, that was not, a, I'm not advocating for like astrology. Like don't check your Zodiac sign. Like we're not, you know, we're not saying that. So, okay. Um, next question. This is from Elizabeth F. Simmons. And she wants to know what is the most significant work each type can do to find their true self. It is pausing and observing and stopping. Tell the truth about your um, self and to receive the truth that God says about you. Um, but I would say the first step is just to pause and observe yourself and to uh, invite, welcome God into those places so that he has God has access to the truth of who you are and how you're operating and allow God to transform you there. But everything begins with self-observation, the ability to view what's happening and and take ownership of it and to get outside of ourselves and our like automated responses. Absolutely. Marilyn, also, thank you so much for being on the show. It was yeah. a lot of fun, and we really appreciate all the all the all the wisdom that you brought to our listeners. Uh, thank you, thank you so much. It was great to be with you. Uh, well, well, thank you, and uh, I hope that we get to do it again sometime in the future. Thank you to our guest today, Marilyn Vansel. Go pick up Marilyn's book, Self to Lose, Self to Find, A Biblical Approach to the Nine Enneagram Types. Also, you can visit her website at marilynvansel.com, where you can download a free journaling tool to help walk you through the own up process. Again, learn more by visiting her website at marilynvansel, that's V-A-N-C-I-L.com. Also, thank you to Crosspoint Ministry that trains Sam and I in the Enneagram. To learn more about Crosspoint or to attend one of their amazing retreats, visit crosspointministry.com. Our show is a production of Love Thy Neighborhood. Love Thy Neighborhood provides social action internships supported by Christian community for young adults ages 18 to 30. Serve for a summer or a year. Grow in your faith and life skills. Learn more at lovethyneighborhood.org. Today's episode was produced by myself and Sam Stevenson, engineering and editing by Rachel Zabo. Music for today's episode comes from Murphy DX. I'm Sam Stevenson. And I'm Jesse Eubanks. Remember, the eye can see everything but itself. Find people to journey with you because you were created for community. Community.